Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege you have together. Thank you, Lord God of mercy, that we can hear your word and study your word. It's a blessing. We trust you, Lord, to help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're looking at Dynamics of Faith, part two. Uh, last Thursday, we were saying that where you look determines if you walk in faith or unbelief. Know this, knows this very well, and we should know this. You remember that we have been told and taught by Scripture to be aware of the subtle maneuvers of the devil all the time. It's a snake, represents like a snake. He slitters in, sneaks in. That's part of his uh, trick. And we have to deal with the wiles of the enemy, which means his deceitful tendencies, his deceitful acts, and his sneaks, sneaking in that he does. So we've been warned to be, to be very, very aware that we have an enemy going around looking for who he would destroy. And so the Christian must live and watch and be careful. So he plays mind games. He tries to play mind games with us if we don't watch it. Many of the thoughts that you have entertained are not, they're not from you. Some of the opinions you hold about people, which are not true, is not from you. Some of the even opinions you hold about your spouse may not be true. It's not from you. Some of them is not from you. It's coming from him. Trying to pollute your mind trying to penetrate your life and then make you do things according to his will. So he tries to plant his thoughts and create pictures and imaginations because he knows that what we look determines what we believe and what we do. So he creates this, and the Bible calls it his stronghold of imaginations and thoughts. So he wants us to look at what he wants us to look at. And most things that people do is that the enemy gives them pictures in their mind and then they begin to crave after those things. So we need to watch him because if we let him, then the Bible says we should cast down these things. We shouldn't let it happen. We shouldn't let him build up this kind of situations in our mind. If we let him, we open the door for him. He comes in and finishes the work. Look at uh, Judas, for instance, John 13, 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. You see what he does first? He puts into the heart of Judas Iscariot. He can put into your heart anything. The Simon's son to betray him. And then when Simon, uh, when Judas began to entertain that thought and accept that thought as something he might want to do, he comes in in verse 27. The next thing in verse 27 is... And after the shop, Satan now entered into him. But they came with, first of all, the, the thoughts, quick beauty, imaginations. And then you, that allows him to come in and finish what he wants you to do. And Jesus now said to him, Jesus said unto him, that that was do quickly, which means you count a point of no return. You have given your amen to the enemy and you've given him place into your circumstance. We must be aware of all these things and not open the door to him. And then why are we saying this? Because it's after your faith. 
It's after our faith. I want to give you six reasons why the devil is after your faith. Number one, by faith we stand. If your faith is compromised, you fall. Number two, faith is our victory. Faith is our victory. Not that faith will give victory. No, faith is our victory. So if it compromises your faith, you lose the battle. It doesn't matter whether it's against sin, whether it's against anything. You lose the battle. Number three, we live the spirit life by faith only. There is no other way you live the Christian life except by faith. The just shall live by faith. Number four, the only weapon that quenches all the fairy darts of Satan is the shield of faith. There is no other weapon that, quench, that the scripture says that quenches all of them. It's the shield of, shield of faith in Christ. Shield of faith in Christ. Number five, it is impossible to please God without faith. Christians want to please God, want to please God, but the, the Spirit of God tells us that it is an impossible thing to do without faith. So there is no pleasing God without faith. And if the enemy compromises your faith, your ability to please God vanishes, vamooses like that. And then number six, only prayer of faith will bring result. Any other prayer that is not prayed in faith will not give you result. Therefore, we need to be very, very invested in understanding what faith is, how it operates, and how we live by faith. Lest this truth slips through us and the enemy takes advantage of that and begins to plant his thoughts that are contrary to the will of God and the word of God and makes us see, look at things that we shouldn't be looking at. Now, for your faith to take hold, you must look at God's word or his works. God helped Abraham. He wanted to help Abraham to sustain his faith in him when he told him about being a father of many nations. And how God did it is exactly what we're saying. God brought him out and showed him his creation, what his power has done, and showed him the stars of heaven and said, can you count them? Let's read it from Bible, Genesis 15, 5. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Look at that. He said, look at, see my power on display. The Bible said the works of God tell about him, talk about him. He said, then the Lord took Abraham outside and said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So now, if that wasn't the way to to, to, to Keep your faith. Why did God bring him out to say, see, look, 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 look. Where you look determines if you walk in faith or not. So God brought him out and said, look at my power. Look at my creation. Begin to count these things. And then see, that's the number. That's how your children will be. And the Bible said, because of that, Abraham was able now to believe God. And God counted it for him for righteous. And so the enemy of our soul, knowing this, we want us to look at something that will destroy your faith. He wants you to look at his works, what he's doing, the, the, the challenges of your life, the things that, that will discourage you. He wants you to look at them. He will create this impression, these things in your mind, or he will make you look at them physically. Because he knows that where you look is very, very important. I'm emphasizing this because it's very critical. So he will try to shift your focus from Christ and the work he has finished on, on cross for you like Abraham came and saw the greatness of God, from Christ and the power of God displayed on the cross for you, he will try to shift your eyes from it onto what he's doing. 
because he knows that if he's able to do that, your faith is done, it's compromised. So look at, he's been doing this from longest time. Uh, Eve, for instance, Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Arguments he uses. Arguments he uses. Has God said that you, should, that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be like as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, see the idea now. When she saw, there has been an argument going on to convince her to disobey God. Then the devil knew that where she would look would determine her faith and her action. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this tree has been there all this while. And then the woman now saw that it was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. What happened the next? And the tree now to be desired to make one wise. See the process? She saw, she looked, desired, and decided, yeah, it will make me wise. She now took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. See the process. All that argument was background. Then she saw. There is the power of imagination is, 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 is awesome. The power of vision is awesome. The power of what you see is awesome. And so she saw that the tree was now good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree to be now desired to make one wise, she took now of the fruit thereof and ate. Now, Something happened when she did that. You cannot walk with both your spiritual eye and your natural eye when it comes to spiritual things. Your natural eye is good for natural things, like you are driving, like you're walking around in your house, like you're doing your job. That's why God gave you the natural eyes. God didn't give you natural eyes for spiritual things because natural eyes are natural, they are not spiritual. But when it comes to spiritual things, you, you, you now used to use your eye of understanding to see spiritual realities. And you cannot use both of them at the same time. If you are spiritually, for you to walk by your natural eye as regards spiritual things, you need to be, you are going to be spiritually blind. But for you to walk with the eyes of your spirit in spiritual things, you need to be naturally blind. You need to disconnect Listen to me, read good. You need to disconnect your mind from your brain. Must disconnect it from your understanding, from your wisdom. That woman said, this thing makes me wise. 
if you have to disconnect it from, lean not unto your own understanding, the scripture says. You must disconnect your mind from your understanding. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care whether, where you walk or what you do. The spiritual things don't take their cue from your education and whatever you know. It's work of the Holy Spirit. So you need to disconnect your mind from your understanding, from your brain, totally, complete disconnection, and reconnect it to the word of God, to the mind of God, to the wisdom of God, so that that becomes the source of information that controls your mind. You need to do that. Because the enemy wants to connect you to what you see, connect you to your wisdom, connect you to your understanding, the woman saw, desired, and decided, wow, this makes me wise. So let's see what happened in verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. Really? Were they blind before? They were not blind. They weren't created blind. But now their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. But they had been naked all this while. They didn't know that. So once you begin to walk by your senses, your spiritual eyes is closed. And once you begin to walk with your spiritual eye as regards spiritual things, your natural eye is closed. So all this while they were walking by their spirit because they were having fellowship with God, they never saw they were naked. They never identified themselves in their natural form. Never. Because they were in, a, in glory. They never saw themselves from natural point of view. They never saw shame. They never saw anything. They never, because God created them perfect. There was nothing shameful about them. They never saw shame, nothing. Until the enemy said, look away from what God created you to be. Look away from what he told you. And look at this one now. And then their eyes opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons for the first time. They took over from God, trying to take care of themselves for the first time. That's what doubt and unbelief does. You begin to figure out how to solve your problem, and because you don't have the answer, you don't sleep. You get worried. You have butterflies. Then you start talking to so many people, sending out so many prayer requests, anxious prayer requests that has no basis at all. I don't know where people have this idea that God answers prayer according to the number of people that pray. I think a young man said in the Bible that God, that the, scripture, the scripture says that God does not say by numbers. God does not say by numbers. God says, I'm looking for a man. God says, I've been looking for a crowd. I'm looking for a man. I don't know what will get this idea, that if many people pray, then uh, that's more powerful or whatever. Actually, if you have an issue, I will advise you, to please curtail the number of people you are asking to pray because they may not even be interested in praying for you. They may not even be praying. And you may not even have agreement with them concerning your issue. They may not even understand your issue to be praying effectively for you. And so, verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Amongst the tree of the garden. See what guilt does? That's what guilt does. Guilt creates fear. When you violate God's word, 
you have guilt. It's not the devil accusing you. It's not the devil accusing you. It's a genuine sense of guilt. It's a genuine sense of guilt that creates fear. Boldness goes. You, it robs you of boldness, you see. When so the enemy gets you to violate God's word and you begin to doubt God, you have no confidence in God, boldness goes. Fear takes over. Fear, ta- because your, your faith is gone. Fear takes over. Even to pray, you will have no confidence in praying. And you're looking for a man of God. Where did you come up with this idea? The same covenant, God is no respecter of persons. The, the access to God is open to every Christian. And we come through the same, the, the name of Jesus, the same covenant everybody has. And the scripture said, anybody that comes to God through, through Christ, he will know why he's cast away. Why do you lose your confidence? The Bible said, don't lose your confidence. You lose your confidence because you lost your faith in God. And fear has come. So you are looking for somebody you think is more acceptable to God. You don't even know their life. You may have a big name, but you may not even know their relationship with God. So there are lessons we learn from this thing. Never allow the enemy to refocus you from Jesus to anything else. Never. Never. Never have dialogue with Satan. Don't. Don't, there's no scripture that says you should dialogue with Satan. Don't do that. And I hear people brag to Satan and say, bring it on. Don't you say stuff like that. When you say bring it on, you are telling him, dump it on me. He will. He will dump it on you. Because your mouth invited him to do that. There's no scripture that says we should be talking like that. Bring it on. There's no, bragging like that, it doesn't help you. Because he will say, okay, you want me to bring it on? Let me dump it on you. Because no scripture tells you to say that. None. We just do what we are told to do. Cast him out. Resist him. You don't have a, a dangerous snake in your house and you say to the snake, oh, I crawl around and bring it on. And no, you kill the snake or kick it out. That's what you do to the devil. You cast him out. Resist him. Kick him out. Kick him out. So we shouldn't be having dialogue with Satan and saying, oh, bring it on. That's boastful. Our boast is in the Lord Jesus. And you don't want him to bring it on. Why should you bring it on? Are you his dumping ground? No, you are not. So you kick him out. Resist him. Kick him out. That's what you are told to do. Now, Abraham refused to look. Romans 4.19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Look at that. He did not consider his, his body, neither double things, neither his wife's body. He, he did not consider means he didn't pay attention to that. He did not pay attention to that. Therefore, his faith was strong. He's landed looking at the stars, looking at the stars. He knows this thing. So he did not consider that. Because he knew if God said something, that's it. And his faith was strong. And we are commanded in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal. The things you are looking at are temporal things. They are physical, natural things. If you want to see them with your natural eyes, the Bible said those things you see is not what faith is talking about. Faith is talking about things you don't see. So we don't look at those natural things because that's not faith. Now, he said, but the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's spiritual. He says, why we do not look at things which are seen? Because those are natural things. Faith is about things not seen. Once you begin to look at things seen and, and then concentrate on that, you don't have faith anymore. You have to look at things which are not seen. Why we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. That's why we look. That's where we look. Say, so where do you find them? The Bible tells you so. The Spirit of God reveals it to you. It reveals it to you. And they, that's what will be preaching. If you, really, if you really have close fellowship with God, if you draw close to him by being in the world, instead of being on, in television, instead of being on the internet, if you spend time, invest in being close to the Holy Spirit, in having fellowship with him, investing your time with him, then you can know some distance. But when you invest most, most of your time sitting on the couch, watching all manner of things for hours, and you are tired and you go to bed snoring, tired, you are drawing closer to God. You may not be able to really understand his voice because you are carnally minded. So when we draw close to God, when we fellowship with him, we reveal, he said that he came to guide us into all truth and to show us things to come. He will not leave us in darkness because we are his children. He loves us. Now, number two thing, the second dynamic of faith is that the language of faith, the, the, the faith has a language. It speaks from God's point of view. Faith has a language and it speaks from God's point of view, not from man's point of view. Second Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written now, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We speak what we believe. And what we believe is things that are not seen, but they are real and we believe them. So we speak, we, we speak about them. We describe them. We talk about them. So we, we, we also believe and therefore speak. First John 4, 5. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. See, they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. Popular fads, popular stuff, even among churches. Popular, what popular stuff. But you need to ask yourself, is that what God really said? It's so important. Because faith comes from what he said, not from popular, popular, popular doctrines that are not Bible-based. Not from that. We must, be, we must take time to find out what did God say? What is he saying? Find it out. Stop following big names and start following the Holy Spirit. Stop following big names. Follow big names is they are following Jesus. The only reason you follow anybody is that he's following Jesus. If it's not following Jesus, you have no business following them. And if they are following Jesus, then they follow the word strictly. For the word is lamp unto our feet and lamp unto our path. They follow the word strictly. Paul said, you follow me because I follow Jesus. 
You see, but we, you see, so these people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's point of view, and the world listens to them. The world listens to them, sure. But we belong to God, and those who know God listens to us. It's not everybody that goes to church knows God. Not everybody. Not, I'm telling you, not everybody. Not everybody. The Bible said this, this narrow door, not many people will find it. Not many people will find the narrow door who is Christ himself. The only door to God. The narrow door. Very narrow. Not many people will find it. What's a cheap? Singing in church is cheap. What's a cheap? It doesn't cost you anything to say anything. But it's action. That is really the real deal. Not many people know God. So I have all these bad Christians. Yeah, I know but. Yeah, I know but. What but? If God says something, that's finality. What but? So faith calls those things that, that be not as though they are. Why? Because they are. Because it does not call those things that are seen. Because it's not looking at things that are seen. You are not healed because you see it. You are healed because the Bible says so. And you start acting like you're healed. You stop looking at the things that are seen. And start acting like you're healed. You start acting like you're healed. You, you start walking and stepping in the land that is yours. You step out and start walking on the land that is yours. You, you can't sit down there and say, yeah, God gave me this land. Yeah, God gave you, but get up like Abraham. Go walk on it. Go walk on it. Like this is my property. You start walking on it. And then that's yours then. That's yours too. So it calls those things that are not as if they were because they are. It looks only at the spiritual. The Bible says, why we look not at the things that are seen? We look at the things that are not seen. So faith looks only at the things that are not seen. And he describes them because they are. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were. Be not as though they were. Because they are. Why? They exist in the spirit realm. Because the things that we see are made by the things that are not seen. So the, the thing, if it exists in the spirit realm, so it's made already. It's made already. It's there. It's made already. It's there for you. Because God says it's there, then it's there. So faith cause those things that you don't see. He describes them, cause healing. You don't see it, he cause it, cause it. You are healed. He cause it, you are, you, are, you are blessed. He cause it, you are prospered. He cause it, you are, you are righteous. He cause it, you are a new creature. You are a new creature. He cause it. And you should call it. That's, that's what faith does. You should call it. So faith has a language. If you start calling those things that you see, naturally, that's not the language of faith. When you start talking about the things you see, you are not talking about the things you don't see. Faith is talking about the things that are substance but not seen. So you can't be talking of things that are seen and you say, I have faith. You don't have faith, nothing. You'll be talking about things that are not seen, that is substance. Substance is there. Evidence is there. And faith does not waver in its testimony and its actions. Wavering is doubt and unbelief. Faith is rock steady in its belief because the word of God does not change. God's word is not yea and no. It's yea and yea. If God says I've healed you, he's healed you. Anytime, that's his, that's his testimony. It's not changing. So faith does not waver. Abraham never wavered. Never wavered at all. God said you got it. The man said, yeah, I got it, and that's it. 
He never wavered at all. Now, you can accuse God of anything, but Abraham will look you in the face and say, if you were in my situation, I also believe God. I was 100 years old. My wife was 100 years old. I believe God. How can you accuse God here? God will bring Abraham to talk to you. If you start accusing God, he didn't do this for me. God, Abraham will come and talk to you. He will talk to you. That will settle you. How can a hundred-year-old man and a woman that he, would not be bothered about their age? Abraham will have very interesting discussions with you. So faith does not waver. It doesn't waver. James 5, 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes. If you say yes, let it be yes. If you say God answered me, let it be so. And you are no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Lest you fall in, you can't be wavering. Today, yeah, God had me. I mean, it's emotional stuff. Let's get off these emotions and make sure that you had God. Make sure you know what God said on which you base your faith. Don't follow emotional hee-haw. If, if you go and there's praise worship, they dance so well, you say, oh, well, yeah, God had me. And when you leave the church, within 20 minutes, you are not sure what God had, had you or not. So Matthew 5, 37. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. That's what the devil wants us to do. He wants to refocus you from what Jesus has said, what he's done, to what you are seeing in the natural. So, you st- yeah, you saw it, and God praised the Lord, God did it. And then he said, no, look at this one. He said, then like Eve, you look at it, he said, yeah. And then you connect it to your human wisdom. You say, well, I didn't see anything. God didn't do anything. The Bible says anything is coming from the devil. Because the Holy Spirit does not say yea and no. It's coming from the devil. Hebrew 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. James 1, 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I think we can read this thing and think we are going to violate the scripture and still get along. Because if you waver, the Bible says, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And you ask yourself, are you really wavering? If you are wavering, you will receive nothing of the Lord. Nothing of the Lord. Abraham never wavered. Never wavered. And the Bible says we should not waver. Again, if you look, keep your eyes on Jesus, like we were told, the author and finisher of our faith, you won't waver. You won't waver. If you resist the devil trying to make you look, look away from Jesus, you fight him back. I'm sorry, like Abraham, I'm not looking at that. You won't waver. Then you find that what God said will work for you. If you listen to all these unbelieving believers, all these fire and extinguishers believers, all these people who are, you look, the devil doesn't mind if you uh, give mental accent. He doesn't mind because he knows that mental accent doesn't mean anything. That is just mere words, that vain words that don't mean anything. So he doesn't mind you talking big about God and talking big and quoting. He doesn't mind that. But what he doesn't want you to do is to act on that. Because action speaks louder than words. Action is like I'm not wavering. Yeah, you can talk all you want to. He doesn't mind you. As long as it's only mental accent you are giving, you really don't mean it. Because when it comes to to action that makes your word serious... Any word without action is vain. It's worthless. Even between human beings. 
And so if, as long as you don't put action to it, it doesn't bother you. you. He will help you sing and talk all you want to. So faith does not waver. And then again, the words, the language of faith does not bring evil report. Hebrew 11 from verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Good report. God's work, good report. What God is doing, good report. God is good all the time, we say that. How can anybody now bring evil report and associate it with the same God who is good all the time? Jesus Christ went about doing good, doing good, doing good. There was no evil in his mouth. He never deceived anybody. He never did any evil. You cannot talk about the work of God and bring it in terms of evil report. No. Because God is good all the time. Any report about what he's doing is good. The good news. God has no evil news to give us. It's good news. So if the language of faith is good report all the time about the, what God has done. And then look at um, Hebrew 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Evil reports come from, from evil heart. From the, out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. When a heart is not focused on Jesus, when the devil has planted his own, his own imaginations and things, and you are looking differently, then you are going to be describing those things you are seeing with your natural eyes and with your wisdom and senses. Fear will fill your heart. Fear will fill your heart. Unbelief, you will not sleep. You have butterflies. You, you will not sleep at all. You don't have peace. Because the Bible says God will keep you in perfect peace when you're focused on him, when you look up to him. So evil heart of unbelief will produce evil report. Let, let's see an example here. Numbers chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. The people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. These people saw all these great miracles. They saw all these great miracles that God did in Egypt. All these awesome miracles and parting of the sea for them. And here they are murmuring against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Imagine that. You can see what evil report can do. It can knock off your faith totally. And you say things that will finish you. you he said that God would have died in the land of Egypt. Or would God would have died in this wilderness. And they all died in the wilderness. All of them died there. They all, died, all of them. None of them saw the promised land. They died there. Because that's what they preferred. Verse 3. And wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Verse 4. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Look at that. That's, that's, what, that's what evil report can do. And this came about because of evil report. Numbers 13 verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land 
whither thou sentest us, and surely, surely, it flowed with milk and honey. Surely. And this is the fruit of it, 28. Nevertheless, you see the but Christian. Yeah, the, the scripture said that but. You need to be wise though. But they're always there. Some of them are pastors or my leaders. They're always there. They can't trust God. They are always there. They but the nevertheless Christians, they're there. Nevertheless, the people are strong. Oh, ah, you know this thing. Ah, that thing is dangerous. So yeah, they're there. They will just talk. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in the, by the sea and by the coast of Jordan, Tati. And Caleb still the people before Moses said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up, look at the church, two groups of people in the same church. Two groups of people. They're always there. Every church has them. The fire extinguishers are there. The but Christians, the nevertheless Christians, they are there, always there. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. Where did God? God said, I've given you the land. It's God that said, I've given you the land. God said, look, I've given you this place. It's yours. It's not yours. And say, we're not able. We're not able. We're not able. And they brought, verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. It's like they want to make their argument stronger. So they, they were talking about the giants and they wanted to convince these people, look, that place is dangerous. They say now the land now eats the people there. If it's eating the its inhabitants, how did they see anybody there? It would have swallowed up everybody now. But they wanted to make their case. They wanted to make their case that, look, what we're saying is true. Watch out for them. They're in every church. They will tell lies, fabrication, tell you this happened there, this happened. Just because of their pride, they cannot accept that they are talking what is useless. They will not. So in order to convince you that they know what they are saying, they will quote this and quote that and refer to this. And all of them you can't prove. And it's demonic. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they have searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It eats people that live there. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Why didn't the land eat them? If it eats the inhabitants, why didn't it eat up these people? Why, did, why, was they, why were they remaining? 33. And there we saw the giants the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own size, grasshoppers. For that to prove, to make their point, they say, hey, we are grasshoppers. You know, pride, desperation out of pride will make people do it, say anything. So they don't lose the argument. Even if they don't know what they're talking about. So they don't lose the argument. And it's, 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 it's demonic motivation. Lying is language of Satan. Now they are lying. So we are as grosser, and so we are in their sight. Then that's what caused the commotion, and the people began to cry 
You see what evil report does. And the scripture tells us what to do about this kind of people that spread evil report because they're there. They're always there. Second Timothy 3.5. They will act religious. Yeah? Dance most in church. Quote scriptures most in church. Teach even more. Act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will reject it. Stay away from people like that. Why? Evil communication will corrupt good manners. They destroy your faith. They will ruin your faith. They will destroy your faith and you lose battles. And there are the same people who will come around when you lose battles. They have nothing to offer you. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's why the Bible says, stay away from people like that. They are religious, but they deny the power of God. They deny the ability of God. They deny the authenticity of the word of God. They deny the lordship of Jesus over everything. They deny it by their action and by their words. Faith speaks to mountains. The language of faith. It speaks to mountains in our lives. John 14, 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I do. Whatever you shall ask in my name, that I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now this is different from what when Jesus was talking about praying to the Father in his name. Now, I want you to see the difference now. John 16, 23. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. So, you are not asking me. You are not asking me. This is praying to the Father. You are not asking me. So, it's not about prayer. These two verses I read, is not about prayer. Because it says, you are not going to pray to me. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Very last unto to you. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he, the Father, will give it to you. He's talking about prayer here. John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain. But whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he, the Father, will give you. He said, don't pray to me. You are not going to ask me. But you ask the Father and the Father will give it to you. You ask in my name. But in verse, in verse John 14, 13, he says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name. He didn't say the Father. That I will do. I will do. The other one said the Father will do. But now I will do. Because he's not talking about prayer here because he said don't ask me. Don't pray to me. So how is it that I'm not praying to him but I, he will do. He said don't pray to me. But this one he said I will do. I will see to it that it's happened. Actually what he says whatever you demand in my name. In my name I, I will see to it that it happens. My authority will be back of it. Whatever you shall demand in my name. Whatever you shall demand in my name, I will see to it that you have it. This is not prayer. This is what you ask, what you demand. And then we can see an example right here in Acts chapter 16, verse 18. That prayer, that the language of faith speaks to mountains. It speaks to mountains. Acts 16, 18. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. That's demand. In the name of Jesus, I demand that to come out of her. And she, that's what Jesus said. Whatsoever you shall demand in my name, I, 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 I will see to you that you have it. Which means I will lend my authority to it. 
I will lend my full authority to it. And so that's what Paul did here. He spoke to the devil and he demanded that you get out and it, it happened. Jesus assures us that I will lend my support to you. I will lend my authority to it. I'll be back of it if you demand it in my name. Now in Acts 3, 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I now, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now look at what Peter, Peter said, silver and gold have I now, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter demanded in his name that you should, this feet must feel, rise up and walk in his name. That's what Jesus said. If you demand in my name, I will lend my authority to it. I will see to it that it happens. But the other one says, don't pray to me, oh, don't ask me. Ask the Father in my name, and my Father will give you. But this one is saying, you demand in my name, I will put my authority behind it and see to it that it happens. Now here, when Peter demanded this in verse 8, he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. There's no prayer here. There's no prayer here. The, if language of faith will demand in the name of Jesus, and it happens. It happens. Acts 3, 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? As, or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Peter said, no, we didn't make him to walk. It's not our power. It's not our holiness. Verse 13. Acts 3, 13. The God of Abraham and Isaac, and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, this is what made this man walk. His name, through faith in his name, had made this man strong, whom you see and honor. Yea, the faith which is by him, the author and finisher of our faith, the faith which is by him, had given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That's what Jesus said. Whatsoever you shall demand in my name, I will lend my authority to it and it will happen. That's what happened right here. And our Lord Jesus thought about these things. Mark eleven thirty three. the language of faith speaks to mountains. Christians, there are things you don't talk to God about. When devil is harassing you, stop bothering God. You go after him and talk to the devil. Paul spoke to that spirit, demanded you demand that sicknesses get out. You demand that they leave you. You speak to sicknesses. You speak to sicknesses. You speak to. And Mark eleven thirteen. And seeing a fig tree far off, having leaves, he came. If happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet come. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee thereafter. Hereafter, forever. And his disciples heard him. He spoke a word. Mark eleven twenty one. And Peter called to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou costest is withered away. And Jesus answering, said unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. I shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he said. Therefore I say unto you now, 
Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The same principle in prayer. Don't speak words you don't believe that will come to pass. That's what he said. Don't, don't go and be praying, talking things you don't expect to happen. He said, if you, if you pray and believe in your heart that what you are praying will come to pass, say you have it. It's called faith. You speak to mountains, believe they are moving. Why? Because Jesus said, I will lend my authority to that. You speak in the name of Jesus. They move. Mountains move. Mountains in your life, you should speak to them. And they move. They move. They move. Let me show you something that happens. So you know the power in the word. The word. And this even works both ways. If you speak evil against yourself, it works. It works. All these chattering things you talk with friends and this, they work in your life because they're coming from your mouth. Words have power. Look at Jericho, for instance. Joshua cursed Jericho many years before. Look at it. Joshua 6, 26. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cause be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay his foundation with his firstborn, and with youngest he shall set it up, set up its gates. Now Joshua pronounced this thing and left. Many years after, look at First Kings 16. Many years after, it was during his reign that he 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 yelled, he yelled, and look, he, you don't even I don't know how to pronounce this one. That he yelled, a man from Bethel rebuked Jericho when he laid his foundations. It cost him the life of his oldest son, Abiram. And when he completed it and set up his gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Zegob. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. The words, words have power. Joshua spoke in faith, pronounced it. He says it's according to the word, to, from, according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho. Joshua pronounced what God gave him. And it happened like that. That's what Jesus is saying. You can speak to mountains. Why? Jesus gave you the authority to speak to mountains. You can demand things, things that are contrary to the will of God to change in your life. And they will change. Because Jesus said, if you say, say that in my name, I will lend my authority behind that. You can see in the book of Hebrews, by faith, people pronounce this. By faith, people pronounce this. By faith, Somebody blessed his children just by faith. He spoke and it came to pass. Joseph said, we are moving. And when you move, take my bone. The Bible says he spoke by faith. By faith, he pronounced these things. So the word of faith speaks to things, pronounces things that be, that is according to the will of God. And now the devil knows this. He begins to use our tongue again to pronounce things to hurt us. James 3, 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great fire, a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Set on, on fire by Satan itself. So we should watch our tongue and speak only the words of faith. Go report all the time. Resist the attempt by the devil to refocus you and making you describe what he's doing. You are worshiping him by that. The, to worship is to sing the praises of God, to talk of the works of God. When you start talking of the works of Satan, you are worshiping him. You're exalting him above God. You should exalt God above everything because God is above everything. Satan is on that feet. So we should, the works of God talk about him. 
It talks about him. So the words of God that God has given us is the word of faith that we should be pronouncing. And then we see God that is fearful in praises, establish his words in our lives. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray, and I want to pray for the sick. And you say, why? Because Jesus said to the church, he said, don't preach only. He said, we shouldn't preach only. He said, when you preach, heal the sick. When the church is not praying for the sick, we are failing Jesus. He loves them, wants them healed. That's why he came, took our infirmities, he paid with his blood for us to be healed. And we, we are shying away from pray, pray for, praying for the sick. And yet, we are the body of Jesus. We are the body of Jesus. We are, he is the head and we are his body here. He was, when he came, was healing the sick all the, all the, all everywhere. So we should pray in faith and pray. And he will heal those people who will accept it. So I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to pray for every sick person that will hear my voice. And Jesus will heal you. He will heal you. He said, we demand anything in his name. According to his will, he will lend his authority to that. His word is true. His word is here. His word is amen. So I'm going to pray now. And let us pray. If you are sick and you, you want God to heal you, I want you to indicate where you have that problem. And then God will heal you. If you have children that have problem, autism, whatever it is, put your hands on them. Or you just leave them up in your heart before God. I'm going to pray now and demand in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, I will lend my authority behind that. Because it's the will of the Father that Jesus came to establish. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for the word that you've taught us and the language of faith. Now it's time for us to put it into practice. You said if you shall ask anything in my name, I will see to it is done. Father, we stand here in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we come against every sickness. In the people that are hearing my voice now, I come against every sickness in your life. I demand that they leave your bodies and come back no more in the name of Jesus. I speak to that spirit of infirmity, demonic activities that bring sickness in the name of Jesus. I demand that you take your hands off their bodies, take your hands off their bodies, take your hands off their bodies in the name of Jesus. Those beautiful children that God has blessed us with, we don't know what autism is. Autism is not of God. I demand that autism leaves them now in the name of Jesus that there be a creative miracle in their lives to the glory of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, merciful Father. You send the church to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. That's a commission and to raise the dead. Father, I thank you for the privilege to do this. We know it has happened because you assured us that if we demand it in your name, that you will see to it that is done. All these things are things you defeated. They're all under our feet. Now we take authority over them in your name and they must obey us. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me pray over the offering. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege to give, to honor you, an act of love and an act of service. We should be faithful with what you blessed us with to serve you with because you gave us everything to use to serve you because everything belongs to you. 
thank you for the opportunity to lay them at your feet with our tithes and our offerings. Pray that you receive all of it now, Lord, and bless your people as you promised us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want to pronounce this blessing upon you. May the Lord bless you all. May the Lord lift his countenance to shine upon you continuously. May his mercies overflow in your lives. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest upon all of you, continue to be upon you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's share surely together. Surely, his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.